Well, Father, Lord, I thank you for the gift of song, Lord, and I thank you for the the blessing that it is to us, Lord, and how you use music, Lord, to stir us up to worship. And Father, we thank you for the the truth of what we just sang about the the good news that we've been washed, the good news that we have heaven ahead of us, and the good news that we are destined for a place where we will sin no more. And so, Father, um, out of thanksgiving, Lord, I pray that we would pursue holiness, Lord, and that we would pursue sanctification, that we would pursue Christ-likeness out of gratitude and out of thanksgiving for what you've done for us, Lord. Please, please stir us up. Lord, bless this study. Let it be a means by which we learn more and are convinced more and more of the importance of sanctification and the, and the ways in which the Bible tells us that we are to go about being sanctified, Lord. So please stir us up. May your spirit um, truly be at work in us today as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. There he is. Okay, so um, I always like to do at least a, a short little recap um, just to get your minds back in focus uh, concerning what we've been studying. Uh, we've been going through the doctrine of sanctification. The doctrine of sanctification, the, the doctrine by which um, it's teaching us that we become progressively more and more like Jesus Christ in our actual lives. And so I've kept this chart up here because I think out of all the things that I could put up there, this is one of the most helpful, helpful things that I can burn in your memory um, as far as understanding the different aspects of sanctification and, uh, and just having a visual image that you can take with you um, wherever you go. I just know it's been helpful to me and I think it'll be helpful to you as well. So just quickly uh, recapping last week, what we looked at uh, was basically the foundations. The, we, I, I wanted to emphasize the basis and, and what is the foundation of how and why we're able to grow and progress in our holiness and in our sanctification. I wanted to, to really, as I was saying last week, give uh, honor to whom honor is due. And what we saw is that it's the working of God and what God has done is why we're able to be sanctified and grow in holiness. Uh, we looked at Romans chapter 6 to see that, how, uh, how our union with Christ and, and union with Christ in his death is what freed us originally from sin because when Christ died for sin, we died to sin. That's where that break um, with sin came from is, is the work of Christ and our union with him in that uh, we looked at another classic text, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, um, the classic text on uh, progressive sanctification where Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God who's at work in us. So there we just noticed a couple things, that it's God who's working in us to do these things. That's, that's the foundation for our, our growth in holiness. Um, and I also kind of tried to emphasize the word that Paul uses there, work work out your salvation. So um, I thought it was helpful. I just recalled some of the other language that's used in the Bible of this progressive work of sanctification, really just to prepare you um, for what you're in for. And some of the other words that, that the Bible uses is the struggle. The Bible calls it dying daily, taking up your cross, crucifying the flesh, disciplining your bodies, all of that language is sanctification language, and, and uh, 
And it's helpful to uh, realize that is the task and that is the calling and that is the work that's ahead of us. Is it's, it's a work. So uh, prepare yourself for that. And um, lastly, I brought up the, the fact of why is it a work? Why is this a, a grueling process? Why is this a struggle? And for that, we looked at a couple texts, Romans chapter 7, Galatians chapter 5. It's, it's because we're still in the flesh. We still have... Um, unglorified aspects to our person that's so this battle is continuing between the flesh and the spirit in us so that's why there's the ongoing battle Uh, but thank god that as you see from this the spirit is in fact winning that battle the spirit is winning the battle in a christian's lives and you will progress by the grace of god and become more and more sanctified so that's the good news Um, that's the good news so what do we want to look at today Um, I want us to look at how this progressive work of God in our lives is um, all-encompassing. It affects all aspects of our our being. We are to grow in in many ways in in ourselves, um, in in, in our body, in our spirit, in our mind. We're going to look at how our emotions are developed in sanctification. And then really we're going to get, hopefully, get at least knee-deep into the, the, the bolts, the nuts and bolts of the means by which God gives us um, for this work. Maybe some more of the details, some of the more practical ways in which we engage in our sanctification. I know maybe that's what some of you are probably, some of you are probably convinced that you need to be sanctified. Now you want to know what the Bible says on how to do it. So hopefully we're going to get into that um, today. We don't, if we don't finish that, we'll finish that next week. And then we'll also, I want to leave off on uh, some of the biblical motivations that the Bible gives us to pursue sanctification. Leave on a positive note. Leave on, lead on, on some uh, encouraging, encouraging notes. Because the Bible has lots to say of why we should be pursuing this. There's many reasons. So um, that's where we're going. So um, the all-encompassing um, aspects of sanctification in our beings. As I said, uh, sanctification is going to affect your body and your spirit. Um, let me just read some verses to you, and we'll turn to a couple of them. But as far as our body, how is our body being sanctified, or how does our body play a role in sanctification? How is it affected? Romans 6.12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so as to obey its lusts. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. I'm going, to, I'm going to read a couple of verses because there's, there's many, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 say, this is, a, this is an important one, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Right? We learned that, that verse at a young age, but it's true. Your body uh, is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Now here's the therefore. Therefore, glorify God in your body. See how your body is to be used for the glory of God? Your body is to um, progressively get better and better at that, at glorifying God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul says it like this. I discipline my body and make it my slave. I discipline my body and make it my slave. Um, There, the context of, of... what Paul's doing with his body is he's disciplining his body. He's, he's learning how to have control of his body and have mastery over it so that he can make it do what it should do in order to glorify God. 
He's learning how to control his body so that he will not sin when temptation comes. He's learning how to control his body so he'll do what's right when it's time to do what's right and what's God-honoring. See, it's something, this is a learned process. It's something that we learn how to do. Our bodies are trained um, to obey the word of God. It's something that we have to learn. It's something that Paul says here um, was an ongoing process for himself. Now, I want to quote another text to you, 1 Timothy 4.8, because I think it's relevant to the discussion of progressive sanctification for a couple reasons. Um, but Paul's using similar language about bodily discipline here, but it's almost in a little different way. Um, in 1 Timothy 4.8, Paul says, for, do- for bodily discipline is only of little profit. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. See, so I think the Apostle Paul is using bodily discipline in a, in a little different context here. I think he's meaning more of like physical exercise, right? He's using the example of physical exercise or physical um, working out in a sense, and the benefits that can come from being physically active and working out. There are benefits with that. Right? But comparatively, your spiritual growth as opposed to your bodily health is infinitely more important. Right? So I, I just say that because I know the direction that the world's going and the emphasis that the world's putting on like working out and your body. Right? You can be in balance there. Right? Paul says that physical body, it is, it is good, it is helpful. It's comparatively little thing compared to your spiritual health. So I would just say by way of application, we need to... Um, analyze our own hearts, analyze our own uh, person, and, and, and see where's the balance in, in our hearts, in our lives. Are we, how much effort are we dedicating to physical health as opposed to our spiritual health? Because they're nowhere near as, as far as importance, you see. So, I, I mean, I just know for me, for anybody who really loves, like, sports and just loves being active or maybe has grown up doing that or... That can be a temptation to give yourself over to your body and, and almost love your body in that sense. And It's good to enjoy your body. Sports are good. I like sports. I'm hoping my hip heals up so I can play more. But even in that, I'm already aware that I need to be careful how I view my body and what it's really for. My body is not purely for my to enjoy it and just to be playing sports and games all the time. That's not entirely why God gave me my body. It's to glorify him in many other ways. So we just need to keep a balanced view of the physical versus the spiritual health um, of ourselves. So the body is affected. Uh, what about our spirit? Our spirit, the inner man. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. Cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That could have been, that could have been a text we ret- return to many times, but I just pointed out that there is an inner aspect um, to our sanctification as well as a, a bodily aspect to our sanctification. Um, I think in the Bible it's pretty clear that the flesh, that we're, we're one person, right? The flesh and the spirit, in, in one sense, aren't inseparable, um, they affect each other. They go hand in hand. Uh, you can't defile your flesh and not affect the inner man or your spirit. Mm-hmm. 
they go hand in hand. You must tend to both, and both are affected, right? I, it seems like David's body was affected when he was in sin, when his inner man was containing sin and not confessing it. His body was affected. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6.18, you know, when you, when you sin with the harlot, you're, you're affecting your own body and your spirit you're sinning against, and you're sinning against the spirit of God who's in you. So there's, there's no um, Gnostic separation between body and spirit in that sense. The whole man is affected, and the whole man needs to be sanctified and, and grow outwardly and inwardly. Um, yes, sir? Maybe you can uh, expand on that a little bit, too, because I think in, in a lot of different ways, people still have, even in the church, like a Gnostic view of the body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like um, just thinking that the body is like a neutral thing that we can, it doesn't really matter what we do with it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, whether you want to engage in some kind of immoral compromise, you know what I mean? Whether, you know, in entertainment, you know what I mean? Even in sports, you know, if you want to abuse your body in sports, you know what I mean? Because you think, well, it's just a body. I'm still a Christian. I'm oh, still, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. maybe sports enhancement drugs or, or whatever, you know what I mean? But just <coughs> but just thinking, like, the body is not important. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, we can desecrate it however we want. And I don't know today, like, the, the big hoops in your ears and bones through your nose and stuff like that is oh, yeah. cool and been trendy, you know what I mean, for many churches, it's almost like a sign of maturity, but I mean, you know, but at the same time, it's like, yeah. it's not that you're not, a, you know, I'm not saying you're not a Christian, you're not saved if you do those kinds of things, but what I'm saying is that, you know, we have to, as believers, constantly, like, ask ourselves, do we have a Gnostic view of the body, mm-hmm. in, any, in any way, you know what I mean, like, maybe for me, you know, like, as a pastor, studying so much, and stuff like that. You know, um, and I neglected my body mm-hmm. for quite a while, actually. Right. And um, <clears throat> kind of the opposite. My, you know, you, you're talking about having a balance about working out and all of that. Right. My, I was imbalanced in the opposite direction. Right. It was all books, all study. You know, I, you know, some would say all spiritual, but I wasn't working out. I wasn't dieting right, and my body started suffering because of that. And your spirit can suffer. And my spirit, yeah, it's like they're they're inseparable. You know what I mean? I can honestly say, like, now that I'm in the gym, by the grace of God, and I need a lot of grace every time I go to the gym. You know what I mean? But I feel better. I can actually study better. I concentrate better. It's just just been a a blessing. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? I just think it's important for us to, to, to have that. Yeah, because yep. as Christians, we can kind of, yeah, we can go to that side where we don't want to, um, you know, be consumed with the body, right? Right. Yeah. So, because we're consumed with spiritual things. Yeah. But then it affects us. Yeah. So just that balance, I guess. Yeah. Huh? There's a balance. Finding that balance. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. I was just going to comment, um, and I can relate to what Pastor Melo was saying that it really is, you know, what your motive is too, like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember when I used to work out, my motive was, was to physically look attractive and right. that type of thing. I was more concerned about that. Yeah. But then, you know, after growing in my walk with the Lord, you know, just working out, it does make you feel better. Like, you really feel good. And I remember I went through this, like, a year slump where I stopped working out, and I felt really, I felt horrible. I had no energy. I was just, it was like it took a lot just to get out of the bed, to homeschool my children, to clean the house, and I would pray, you know, just to help me have the energy just to go back to working out, and just the way it makes you feel, you're you're more productive. 
And if you take away from those things because of lack of exercise, you're taking away spiritually. Because then you're neglecting the things you should be doing spiritually, you know, lacking. I'm looking forward to getting back to working out myself. Because I know, I mean, it's been a long time for me, and I can, I can tell it does affect you spiritually. It show on you. Well, yes, it may not, but I can, I can tell you. Even with, even with, like, something as simple as food, you know what I mean? Like, it's a well-known fact, you know, that I'm addicted to coffee. So I have to be very careful with coffee, right? Right, yeah. And my, my, my workout coach, you know, Dustin's been telling me, you've got to get off that coffee. You know what I mean? He's just putting his finger in my chest. You know, and I was like, hey, bro, you don't even go to my church. <laughs> 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 you don't even remember it, okay? Yeah. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean? It's just yeah. been, but it's been convicting to, like that verse you just quoted out of 1 Corinthians 9.27, where Paul says, you know, I, I discipline my body, I make it my slave. Mm-hmm. You know, in that very context, you know, Paul is saying, do not be under the power of anything, yep. including coffee. You know, because you might think, well, coffee's not drugs or something. You know, but it's, well, I don't know, I don't know, caffeine is kind of like a drug, you know, but yeah. but at the same time, all of that, you know, just your, your diet and everything, it's just, yeah. I don't know, it's like how far you want to go with it. It can get very convicting. Yeah. You go too far on one end and you become kind of like a diet freak. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you just, you're not allowed to eat bacon or anything anymore. Ooh. I mean, I like the word balance. I mean, I think that's... The, the word balance yeah, just... I mean, you like the word Whataburger. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm drinking water right now, so isn't that... I'm balancing it out. Balancing it out. So I think just, yeah, all the discussion about your body, that's just one more aspect, one aspect of your sanctification that you need to be um, aware of, right? Be cognizant of where you're at with that. You know, just take an account of yourself. Where's your heart at? Um, like Kim said, yeah, physical exercise, yeah, where's your heart at? Are you doing it so you can look in the mirror or people can see you at the gym, right? That's obviously not a sanctified reason to be, you know, putting in hours. But if you want to glorify God with your body and be healthy so you can serve him, that's the perfect reason to be healthy and go to the gym. So, yeah, we just, yes, sir. I found, you know, I think that's, um, that's kind of one something that I actually struggle with um, because my whole family comes from, like, a line of, like, bodybuilders and men who are just, like, they're just gym and like obsessed with mirrors and things yeah, like yeah. that. And so like working, even like working out, like I have to be really careful. Yeah. And so like now it's, it's more so going for runs outside and things like that. And you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just have to know like where our temptations are at. You know what we've been exposed yeah. to, what we've been, you know, yeah. kind of conditioned to to view those things as. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so what about the mind, the intellect and the mind? Intellect and our knowledge is to be sanctified. Um, let's go ahead and turn to a text to look at this one. How about 2 Peter chapter 3? Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Well, here, here we have a command, a command from Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 17 and 18. A command to grow... Um, in one aspect of our knowledge, beginning in verse 17, Peter says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall away from your own steadfastness. Now here's the command. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See the command there to grow in the grace and knowledge? 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, as I said, this is an imperative. It's a command to grow in grace and knowledge. Um, Calvin here says, uh, just about those two words, maybe if you're trying to parse them out or what exactly is, is being said, like Calvin says about the word grace here, that it's, it's to be taken in the most general sense. To grow in grace just means to grow in all the grace, the Christian graces that there are. Grow in all the aspects of, of your spiritual gifts and the graces of living out the Christian life. And what he's saying is the means by which um, we're doing this is, is in knowledge, by knowledge, through knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, experiential knowledge of him, relational knowledge of him, and um, knowledge of the word of God that tells us about him. So some kind of general statements to, to grow in, but what's interesting if you turn, because Peter's already spoken to this, turn back to chapter 1, where I think um, the fact that, that Peter wants them to grow in grace and that the knowledge of God is the means by which, um, or one means in which we can do that, is seen in chapter 1, verse 2. Peter says in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so there, then again, just that date of use of um, in the knowledge of God is most commentators saying that's the instrumentality by which we grow in grace is through the instrumentality of the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. We're, how do we learn about Jesus Christ? How do we learn about God? How do we... any? How do we do that? The Word of God, from what He tells us about Himself, right? That's that's one instrumentality through which we um, we grow in grace and we grow in peace. Um, so, stay here in Second Peter chapter one, because notice this whole chapter we could dedicate a whole class to, because what we're seeing really is through verses five through seven or eight or nine, really. Uh, 10 even, maybe we can just read those, but here we have Peter laying out progressive sanctification. So let's just read, let me see how much I can read quickly. Um, let's, ju- let's just pick up at verse 2 what I just read. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, when I emphasize the progressive nature of what he's talking about, notice this ongoing building up of of the Christian life. In verse 5 he says, Now, For this very reason also, apply all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. So I just I just stop right there to point out the what's the foundation of this growth? He starts off by saying, What 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 are you to add to your faith in Jesus Christ? Where do you begin building upon it? Moral excellence and knowledge. Those are some kind of general concepts, but for the most part, anybody who's come to Christ, I mean, we may have misconceptions, and we all do when we get saved. Our mind isn't fully sanctified yet, but isn't it interesting that he can just start off saying, add moral excellence right off the bat, first things first, right? Be set apart, be sanctified in your moral character, um, right, right off the bat. And what do you add to that knowledge? So those are very foundational aspects to 
um, progressing um, in your Christian walk. But he just goes on to add more and more. He says, um, and in your knowledge, add self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and your godliness, brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. Verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, see the progressive nature of all of this? There's to be an increasing of all of these things. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities, notice, notice the result of not pursuing these things, of not pursuing progressive sanctification. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing of you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Man, we could, the whole progressive sanctification could have been drawn out of this one text right here. It's huge. Um, but, I mean, that's one more. Uh, I need to add to next week's study the motivations to, to pursue progressive sanctification so that you will not stumble. It will keep you from falling away and keep you from being short-sighted and blind about your own uh, standing before God. It'll keep you from self-deception. Pursue godliness. That's another motivation. But the reason I wanted to read through that whole thing because he just adds and adds and you're like, man, how? Just think of it like this. Is, is this your view of the call um, to progressive sanctification? Or do you have a very simplified or simple view of the work that we're called to? Because this is a massive calling. Right? I can't even make sense of how all of these work together, much less practically work them out right away. But I think the overall concept is that sanctification is never to be, um, we're not only needing sanctification in one aspect of our lives. Uh, sanctification is a massive calling that's to be progressively um, a work. I mean, I don't think any of us will ever master all of this, right? We know that's true. We'll never be perfectly sanctified. So there is a huge calling here from the Apostle Peter on just the overwhelming things that we're to be working on, right? What, what, did, what does Peter also say? Be holy um, in all, just as he is holy, be holy in all of your behavior. This is like an all-encompassing, every aspect of your life, Peter mentions there, be adding, be adding, be adding. Never stop, right? There's no break. We get vacations from work, but there's no vacation from Christianity. There's, there's no vacation, so... Yeah, pursue. Hey, Chris, can I just mention for us, you know, verse 10? Yeah. Um, where you pointed out here, you know, talking about uh, making your calling and election sure. Hmm. Uh, the King James, when you right, but he says, um, make certain about his calling and choosing you. Mm-hmm. The word there is election, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I just think of the practicality of the Reformed faith. You know what I mean? Like, how do you know you're elect? Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. Good point. Yeah. Make your election certain. How do you do that? Well, it's not by debating Calvinism or simply by studying the five points of Calvinism, right? Hmm. It's by all, all of these moral prerequisites that you listed here, yeah. which I think is incredible because that just shows you the practicality of the Reformed faith and how it should impact every aspect of your life. Right, good and point. verse 11, you didn't read that, but yeah, read it. verse 11 says, you know, for in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Hmm. So you will be, you will have an abundant opening to the kingdom of God in this way. 
right, by being progressively sanctified. Wow. Right? So why is that true, Emilio? Why is it by constantly growing in your sanctification, how is that, or why is that proof of election? What's, how is that proving election, or, you know, what's going on there? Well, I mean, it just shows the, it just shows the, uh, the power of a changed life, you know? It shows the work of the Spirit in you, yeah. that you're it able to do this? Spirit, you know, um, yeah. what is it in Psalm 119? How it, talks, how it talks about, oh, how I love your law, you know? Mm-hmm. It's for meditation all the day. Mm-hmm. And just that loving his law, mm-hmm. that's not what an unbeliever does. Yeah. yeah, and even like First Corinthians six, like it's powerful just to see that such were some of you that you've just that, that your life is completely opposite that you've been washed and sanctified. Yeah, all those things. Yeah, no, it's not. That's oh, good. I have to do this. It's I get to. I want to. I want to more. Mm-hmm. I want to be more holy. It's a, a striving, you know. And um, and then we we hate it that we're not. That's right. Yeah. We hate our sin. Yeah, I mean that that's that's kind of like how I think about just how this works out is that. When I'm sinning, um, I think there's just a, a ratio of when you're in sin or when you're sinning, doesn't your assurance go down? But when you're being, you see the Spirit of God working in you and you're, being, you're walking in the Spirit and you're being faithful, doesn't your assurance go up? Like That's what he's saying. Like if you pursue godliness, you're going to have assurance. The Spirit of God's going to be not quenched. The Spirit of God's going to be um, assuring your spirit that you're a child of God. So... That's a good motivation. Mike, yes, sir. Today we move on to verse 19. Mm-hmm. It really kind of almost sums it up there. Yeah. So we have a prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to the lamp shining in dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Yeah, you've been, you kept reading, huh? I mean, I, I like, yeah, I kept reading too, Mike. I like, I kind of was sitting at uh, verse 12, where for Peter, after going through all of them, he's just adding and adding. You feel like you could be just overwhelming the people of God who you're writing to. But Peter says, therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. See, I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder. So Peter, as an apostle, as a pastor, he knows, in a sense, you can't preach this too much. You need to be encouraging your people to seek godliness, right? When your people are pursuing godliness, their spirit is going to be better. The spirit is going to be blessing what they're doing in their lives. They're going to have assurance, which is going to bring joy. The church is going to flourish, right? But a church who's not seeking godliness, the spirit's not going to bless that. People aren't going to have assurance. People are going to be um, depressed, you know, and that sort of thing, but... Pursue godliness, and the church will be blessed. Peter says he, he doesn't mind constant reminders to the people. He knows it's good for them mm-hmm. to hear this. So, yeah, amen. Um, how about, let me just um, make one more point, I guess, on this aspect, uh, just due to time. But how it says that we need to grow in the grace and knowledge, um, and he kind of he uses that uh, together several times in, in his epistle, but... There's two aspects, two general concepts of, of, of grace and, and of knowledge in the Christian life that's to be uh, actually growing and sanctified. So I said like the grace that he's mentioning here is just a very general term for the outworking of God's grace in your life, your works, the, what manifests um, your actions. You're to grow in that. 
But see, if you only grow, I guess, there's a danger in, in, in not having both. If you only grow in, in works, I guess, without a solid, a solid theological or, or a proper knowledge of and grounding of why you're working or why you're doing good deeds, you could fall right into just a moralistic, you know, you know, good old boy type of Christianity, right? But what about the flip side? What if you're imbalanced and you only grow in knowledge, right? But you, the graces in your life are, are nothing's... If you're only growing in, in knowledge, you can also be imbalanced and, and your sanctification will be stunted because there's warnings in scriptures about only growing in knowledge. But what happens if you just if you just grow in knowledge? What what can be a temptation? Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. Pride. Right? That's that is a legit especially like we talk about the reformed faith, like I've seen it. Because there is more doctrine, there is more theology. There's the temptation to feel better than others, you know, or have too high of a view of yourself because you know theology, but the reality is some of the most knowledgeable, theologically uh, knowledgeable people that I've met, some of them are most unsanctified. And I'm afraid that's what's happened to them. Maybe the knowledge is puffed up and they're not actually growing in any Christian graces. They seem very unsanctified in their lives, right? But they had a lot of knowledge. So it must be, again, balance. We, it's an all-encompassing growth in, in our lives. We come here, we grow in grace and knowledge, both, right? Both, both are important. Um, for Pastor Emilio, I threw in the uh, Jonathan Edwards quote um, from his resolutions. Some of you may not be familiar, but this is what Jonathan Edwards had to say. He wrote out resolutions. His 28th resolution was this. He said, I'm resolved to study the scriptures so steadily Constantly and frequently, as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. Right? Jonathan Edwards saying, I'm going to study the scriptures so much that it's evident that I'm growing by it. Right? That, that's, that's, a, that's a good desire. That's a good resolution. Because really, I mean, is there any other option? I mean, we should all be doing that. That's what we're being called to do is to grow in the grace. And, and if you're not seeing any growth, maybe there's not any growth. Right? I know sometimes it's hard to judge yourselves. I mean, I know we, we all look have distorted views of ourselves. Um, maybe that would be a good question for the wife or the husband, right? Or somebody that's close to you, that knows you, right? Because we don't judge ourselves. I don't judge myself rightly at all. But Cassie will tell me straight up, you know? So maybe that's one aspect. If you just want to be honest with yourself and see how you're doing, you know, ask the honest question to the brother who knows you. Have you seen, we've been going to church here for three years now, like, do you see any growth in grace or in knowledge? That's a pretty real question, isn't it? You may not like the answer, but it would be good for you if the brother was honest with you, yeah. right? If they're telling you out of love and out of a desire for your growth, that, that could be very practically helpful. And y'all, y'all are all got that funny face, right? Like, <laughs> that's real, right? That's a real question. Brother, please... Maybe even take a minute to think about my life and, and to give me a very helpful direction, right? And how, how am I growing? Have you noticed growth and grace in my knowledge of the Word of God or even like how I'm living out my life? That's pretty real. Don't ask right now, man. But... Chris, Chris. Yes, sir. I'm so blessed. I don't even need to ask my wife. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I hear you. I hear you. That's, that's for sure. Um, I had a couple more verses. Let me read them real quick. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed. How are we to be transformed? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I think that text is so important for progressive sanctification because what Paul is telling us here is how uh, we are to grow in being able to discern the will of God. And that comes into play in every aspect of your life. We have so many options, so many questions, so many, um, what do I say, what do I don't say, what do I do, what do I don't do, where do I work, what do I not work, All of that, what do I dress, what do I not dress. I mean, we need discernment in every aspect of our lives. The way we gain that discernment by which we can be more and more sanctified is by renewing our minds, obviously through the Word of God. Renewing our minds, thinking God's thoughts after him, being familiar with God and his character. That's, that's the foundation for making proper discernment in your life and, and knowing how to grow, knowing where you're lacking, where you're not, you know, those, those types of questions. So the word of God, again, growing in knowledge is, is foundational. Um, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's part of your knowledge. Your thinking needs to be sanctified. You need to learn how when, sinful, when a sinful direction in your mind starts a temptation or a, a just train of thought that you know for you never leads in a healthy direction, take that thought captive, right? Preach the, preach the word of God to yourself on whatever the error is that you know is coming up and, and write, that, write that direction by the word of God, um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe we can hit the last. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Um, let's hit the last. Let's hit the last aspect of of our being that's sanctified. Emotions, our emotions, and for this I just put uh, Galatians <laughs> chapter five, the fruit of the spirit, right? The fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. All these aspects of the inner man that need to be sanctified, and, 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 and we all want to grow in those things. Isn't that the picture of just a beautiful life where the fruit of the Spirit is just overflowing in all of these aspects? Who doesn't want love, joy, peace? Who doesn't want faithfulness, kindness, goodness? But how often do we not have that, that, those aspects that we want? So there's work to be done um, in our emotions. There's work to be done in our emotions. So um, maybe just a... Maybe just to wrap up, maybe just a thought um, from the Apostle Paul, because I know sanctification can come across as like, especially from the Second Peter chapter 1 text, where it's just, man, I'm adding, I'm adding, I'm adding, what a work. I know it can seem overwhelming and almost discouraging, because for some of if you've been saved for a while, you've been in the battle for a while. Sometimes you can get tired of the battle, right? Because it is, it is a battle, um, but let me just encourage you with how the Apostle Paul viewed his battle. Because he felt the same thing we feel. He felt the, 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 the lasting battle in the wars. From Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Um, maybe this close. Let's turn there. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Maybe even beginning in verse 12, it looks like it would be good. Paul says, um, he's been talking about, I'm going to read it all. So let's, let's start at verse 8. 
More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. See, Paul's resting in his justification. Right? He's finding a rest there. He's not his righteousness right? that he's, that he's hoping for and trusting in. It's the righteousness that's been given to him from God. Uh, but, but look what this does in him. It says, So that by this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul wants to be fully conformed to the death of Christ. I think very similar to all the concepts we looked at in Romans 6, where you die to sin, right? Christ died for sin, you die to sin. Paul wants to be fully like that. Paul wants to be fully dead to sin. Verse 12, but look what he says, not that I have already obtained it. See, Paul hasn't arrived in that sense. He knows it. Not that I have already obtained it or I've already become perfect, but I press on. That's what I think we all need encouragement in doing. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you're a new convert and you've just been totally disgusted by your past life of sin, right? Forget what lies behind. Press on. Press forward, right? Same thing if you're a seasoned saint and you've you know, been fighting the battle of sin your, you know, 20 years and you're just not pleased with how well it's been going or your, or your growth, Forget what lies behind and press forward. That's what the Apostle Paul, that's, that's what he goes on to say. Um, I haven't already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. What's the one thing Paul does? Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. You see, no matter where you're at, the call is to press on and to keep working. We all need that encouragement. We all get discouraged, I know, because battles are not easy. How long can people go to war, you know? But we're going to war until he comes back. So be willing to fight that battle. It's worth it. What, what do you gain by not giving up, by not retreating? Eternal life, right? That's what we gain. So let's pray and go to worship. Well, Father, Father, I pray that all of us here, Lord, and all of us in this church, Father, would feel the weight and the necessity to grow in our sanctification, Lord, that as we look at all these texts, Lord, we would look nowhere else but to ourselves, Lord, my, myself as well, Lord, as, as much as I want this church to be sanctified, Lord, I need to be sanctified, Lord. So please press in on us the need, Lord, to grow in holiness and to, to be Christ-like. Lord, help us to be um, thankful. Help us to rest in our justification. Help us to have the freedom, yes. Lord, to, to, to know and realize what your word says about the fact that we have died to sin. We are now slaves to righteousness. Let us believe your word, Lord, and, and for those of us who have, who have come across discouraging uh, bumps in our progressive sanctification, Lord, let us forget what lies behind. Let us glorify you with the rest of the life that we have. 
Lord, whatever age, whatever circumstance, Lord, give us the, the grace to press on in this fight and in this, and in this battle of sanctification. Give us the grace to overcome. And we thank you for the Spirit. We thank you that we're, that we're walking by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Lord, help us to do all of this work by the Spirit. Because if we're, if we're putting off the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit, we will live. So we want to do it uh, by your power and through your Spirit. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son. Amen.